Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, guys, is part one of a two-part series called COVID and College. COVID and College. Unfortunately, we have to talk about this topic. I was hoping it'd be gone by now. I don't think it's going to be gone anytime soon, unfortunately, as, as everyone knows. But we are going to dive into uh, a two-part series. Um, today, uh, my very good friend is back, Tony Barnhart. We're talking college football. And next week, um, we are going to be talking about college admissions. So, Tony, it's so great having you back on. This is the third time. Third time on the Contender Cast. You're, you're setting the record. Well, thank you, Justin. It's 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 always a lot of fun to kick around ideas with you for your podcast, and uh, it's, I think it's safe to say we find ourselves in the most unusual place since we we started doing <laughs> this podcast sure. together. I agree uh, with you. We we we've never had a summer quite like this, uh, and so it, that's why you know we are we're, for good and for. for Mostly for bad. We're never going to forget. That's right. Uh, twenty twenty. No so. question. Yeah, I mean, a couple months ago when this all started, I you know I was mapping out um, interviews for the year. I had you down, thinking I'd come to your house again and we would be talking about the fall. And uh, man, now we're on the phone, which is fine. But gosh, a lot. I you know I think all of us. It's just it's just interesting time. But um, here's what we're going to do today. We're, um, just in terms of our roadmap, we're going to talk about what could be uh, for the fall uh, for college football. Um, what are the things the programs are thinking about? About what are the um, the concepts being bantered around? If we do have college football, how does that work? Like, what are the elements of it that've got to be considered? Um, then I've asked Tony to talk to us about just the economics of college athletics and college football specifically. Um, it's a big deal for a lot of schools and has major implications. I was reading this morning about Wisconsin and the implications if they don't have a full um, program this fall. And, and so, I, Tony, I'm looking forward to diving into that with you today. But um, and and you know, again, I know this is a place in time, but it, it's it's interesting uh, for us to just dialogue with it. And there's a lot of people interested in it, right? So um, those that don't know Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, you've seen him on ESPN, on CBS, in major publications talking about not only the SEC, but um, college football in general. So Tony, let's just start with where are we now and what has transpired this summer uh, kind of leading up to the fall from a recruiting perspective and getting reset with college sports? Well, Justin, it's sort of going in phases. I think that you have to go back to the beginning of all this, uh, which goes all the way back to March 12th. I mean, that's when the world, the sports, the sports world and the rest of the world, really the sports world got basically was shut down. Uh, it was, you know, that, that, the NCAA tournament was eliminated. Uh, all the spring sports were eliminated. Uh, spring practice, if you'd already started, came to an end or didn't start at all. And that's, that's where we started. Uh, with complete unknowns about what could happen in the fall. Now, since then, uh, the powers that be, and we're talking about conference commissioners, athletic directors, college presidents, uh, board of trustees members, they have been meeting constantly uh, by, by Zoom, which is a piece of technology we've all become <laughs> familiar with. <laughs> Many of us I hadn't mean, used I, very much until March oh, 11th, listen, right? <laughs> Back in back in March, before this happened, coaches didn't even know what Zoom was. Okay, and I didn't know it either. Everything I learned about it, I learned from my seven year old granddaughter. Um, so funny. And so, and now it's become a very 
integral part of, of what we do. And but they've been meeting constantly. They, the coaches have met with the players and individual instruction and things like that because the, the the players had to stay were sent home and they had to stay home. So that was one phase. Is what did you what did you do when the players were at home to stay in touch with them to give them workouts to keep them engaged and not isol- isolated. So that was, that was sort of a phase one. Phase two happened in June when the decision was made, okay, we, we seem to be making progress towards some kind of football practice, some kind of season. We're kind of optimistic that we can do it. But you know what? Let's bring the players back to campus. That way, we can test them. We can give them the best medical care. We can give them a, a much more consistent experience. And look out for them by bringing them up. So that was another phase, and that was done. And when when the players came in in June, I think we were all June, late May, we were all optimistic that we would have some kind of season, but we didn't know when it, what it would look like. Now we get to late June, early July, phase three, where the numbers that we thought and the app everybody hoped the numbers would be going down. They spike. They spike back up, and that put that put the season at risk. And so, where we are, and this is where we are, phase four. They have the people involved have studied the data as much as they can. They're going to go through the week of July thirty first, the end of the month, and we have been told that we're going to start to get some clarity uh, of when the season is going to start. Uh, somewhere around Friday, July 31st, August, early on. Because a decision, we're at the point now, Justin, where a decision has, has to, be, to made. be made. You've got it kickoff has to be games made, in uh, less than a month. Right. right. I mean, exactly. And, and pra- practice getting ready for the first game is starting. Sure. And everybody I've talked to says, look, it is, it, it's one thing, you can shut it down in a hurry, but to ramp it up, right. to, to ramp it up, you need, you need a minimum of four weeks for practice uh, and and the like. And so because if your goal is to start the season on time, which is September 5th, there's there's a few games on August 29th, but season really starts on September. September, If that that is what you're trying to do, if that is the goal, then you've got to make a decision a month out, uh, uh, a a minimum of a month out so that you can ramp up. So that's, that's kind of where we are now is, is, we a decision. It's time for a decision to be made, and the decision is either going to be we start the season on time, or we put it on pause and hope to find another starting date. Sure, that's the next big step, and that is coming up. And so, why you know we've all read that some smaller conferences have already said, "See you later. We'll see you in twenty twenty one." Why is that the case, and why is that such an easy decision for those? versus some of the other major conferences? The the harsh reality of the smaller conferences going ahead and, and calling it off is that to do this, Justin, and to do it safely, and, and, and nobody knows how some of this stuff is right. going to cost all new a lot. It's, Got it. it's going to cost a lot of money. Sure. Okay? In terms of testing, in terms of uh, all the – think about think about this. At the University of Georgia – the players, you got what eighty-five guys on scholarship, maybe a hundred yep. guys in camp. 
they work out in the work in the weight room in groups of seven. All right. And so that it takes some time to get through the rock. And every time a workout is complete, the entire workout facility is disinfected with a machine wow. that that uh, puts a mist over the entire building. All right. That costs money. And sure. though they and the, people the other conference, and time. They, right. Yeah, I mean, all of that. They simply don't have it. And that that's and these conferences and schools recognize that we can't we would love to try to play this fall but sure. we can't, we don't have the resources it's, it's going to be it's going to be hard keeping everybody safe even if you do have even the resources if sure if you don't you're not you're not giving your players and coaches the best chance and so, so that has a lot to do with sure so and and before we talk about kind of how do you prepare for a potential season? Let's a couple other things happen over the last couple of months. A lot of recruiting typically happens. A lot of uh, coaches traveling everywhere, right, to do recruiting. And then, uh, and what routines had to change, you know, since March uh, for college coaches, athletic directors, staff, etc. What's what's new, or what's had to evolve quickly? Everything everything is either done by phone or done on some sort of. Uh, a service like Zoom or Skype or something like that, and the and the coaches have had to be very diligent about staying in touch with the guys they're going to recruiting. But you know what's going to happen, Justin? After all said and done, the same group of seven or eight schools are going to still get the best players. All right, nothing's nothing's going to change. It's still Why? going to be Alabama. It's Why still going to be it's still going to be Alabama and Clemson and Georgia oh and Ohio God. State. It's not going to help any of the others. No, no, it's not. That's interesting. And why is that? Just the carryover of like the brand or because they know not. I mean, kids still want to go to these schools to play for national championships and that, and that hasn't changed. And, uh, you know, now other schools are starting to show some moment, Tennessee, Tennessee, uh, I, you know, I don't follow recruiting. I really don't. All I I do is I don't follow it. Rankings. I I say, (laughs) I say, get the players on campus. Let me look at them. Then, yeah, then, I mean, we saw I, that at but, Georgia Tech. It didn't really matter about the rankings. Some years would be great, not because of yeah. recruiting or and so, rankings. And so the same group of people uh, are doing the recruiting, whether it's virtual or whether it's in person. And that that's that's a big part of it. So, um, if if and I know everyone wants, I think we all want and need. I mean, like watching baseball last night with no fans was actually epic. It's not, it seems so great, even though I didn't care who was playing. Um, I think everyone wants football. Um, so, what are the things that schools are are thinking about in terms of options uh, to make it possible? If the, if it's a go, if we're going to say okay, let's give it a try, what are the the things that are being discussed? Well, here, here's a classic example of where we are in college football right now. Because one of the one of the issues that college football has to deal with is there is, particularly Power Five, big big time college football, is there is no central governing body. All right, every it's every conference for themselves. They make their decision. They do cooperate with the conference, other conferences to some extent. So the NCAA uh, doesn't do any. I don't. NCAA NCAA has no role. Okay, in, in the in the administration. I of, wasn't of sure about that. Division one football, FBS football. Got it. Uh, but what you, what you're left with there is Governor Governor Andrew Cuomo announced the other day <laughs> that no no schools colleges in the state of New York would have fans in the seats. For football games, so okay. So that means that when, Syri- when, yeah. when Syracuse when Syracuse plays a home game, 
there are no fans in the seat. So you got zero at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. Sure. Well, this week, the athletic director of the University of Texas announced, oh, we're going to have 50,000 people in Darrell K. Royal Stadium uh, <laughs> when we play home games. So you go from zero in one place, right. this projected 50,000. I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm very right. skeptical about that. Right. But, you know, the question is, what is it going to look like? And, and as one athletic director told me, he said, Tony, we need to prove we can play one game, okay? Right. We can play one game and keep everybody safe, <laughs> right? And uh, keep so the true. coaches safe and all that. So, the you know the idea of fans in the seats, there are like three or four other things that they've got to solve or feel much better about until they worry about fans in the stands. Uh, I just, but but again, that's going to be fans in the stands is going to be a root ruling by each individual school because ultimately the governor of the of the states and the president of the university ultimately it's their decision whether or not to have fans in the stands that's interesting imagine the tension playing out there um and let's talk about that tension and a lot of it um of that tension is centered on one thing and that's money um as much as everyone loves the actual uh athletic aspect of college football there's big money involved so um Talk about the implications to TV deals, to um, sponsors, to how important are ticket sales? You know, you talk about no fans versus some fans and then everything else that goes with a a game day. I mean, for some of these, I mean, there's other implications, but for the school, um, you know, talk about the financials and and what are schools having to think about? I I give you a couple of examples. Uh, Scott Woodward is the athletics director at LSU. And he said he has a, an athletic budget of somewhere in the neighborhood of $185 million. Uh, he said that of that total, 85% of it comes from football-related revenue, either from ticket sales or television, uh, uh, television dollars and all that. And he said, if, if that money goes away, then we're in a world of hurt when it comes to keeping keeping the doors open and the lights on. Uh, this is crazy. You know, this is LSU. I mean, this is a yeah, well, you know, small yeah, school and, and, that, you know. Yeah, you're right. And But they but they rely on the income for football, uh, to a lesser extent basketball, to uh, fund the rest of the athletic department. So what do you do if you don't, if you don't have that money? Because you don't, if you don't play the games, you don't get the money. Right. Uh, you, you obviously don't, you obviously don't get gate receipts. You obviously right. don't get uh, the TV uh, commitment, the money from the, that. Uh, so it's very tough. Barry Alvarez is the athletic director at Wisconsin. He told ESPN early this week, he's, if there is, if there is no football, if there's no football, yeah, I read this article. Yep. Yeah. They'll, he said they'll lose a hundred million dollars. Right. And they and, dipped uh, into their reserves, which, right. You know, and, and yeah, it, you know, if you're at school with reserves, be glad. The University of Georgia has a, Hundred million dollar surplus uh, rainy day fund, uh, and, and that they set aside that I'm sure they'll have to dip into to some extent. And so, and football also covers a lot of times the cost for some of these other sports. Isn't that correct in the program? Oh, absolutely. No, it, it absolutely pays for you know it pays for baseball. It pays for it pays for the uh, the women's sports. It pays it it pays for all those things. They don't know the the, the only two sports in college athletics that generate revenue, income, 
or football and men's basketball. Now, in some cases, uh, you know, UConn, Tennessee, places like that, women's basketball generates uh, income. Uh, some places, uh, baseball, LSU, Mississippi State, places like that, baseball generates income, but it's not a lot of income. Sure. You know, yeah, I saw what, Stanford was one of the first ones, I think, cut programs immediately from all of this. Yes, they did. And anticipate, but they had something like 36 sports, whereas <laughs> most SEC schools have about 19. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, so where do we go from here in terms of um, you know the the dialogue, the planning, and and why have some of the conferences talked about only having intra conference games? In other words, why is that a good option? The reason that that these conferences have have gone to conference only schedules is that everybody is going to have to be flexible. You're going to have to be willing to move games here and there. You know, what happens if you've got a game schedule, a bunch of, and a bunch of guys on both sides of both teams come down with it, come down with a virus and you can't play the game. Right. Well, you're going to need to move that game. You're going to have to quarantine everybody for 10 to 14 days. And hopefully move that game to another day. Well, if you're playing uh, a bunch of non-conference games, you, you know, your schedule has got to match up with their, right. their schedule. And you've got, it, it makes, it makes it more difficult to flex and make changes on the fly. Whereas if you play conference only games, everybody understands that. Okay. I can, you're in my conference, so I can move you here and move this other guy right. there. Right. And so, and everyone and, gets and it's any, just, it. Just it is what it is for this year. It's kind of the yeah, the thought. No, yeah. that's, that that is why. So a massive planning exercise. It sounds like. <laughs> it sounds like you need it a is. war room of like planners well, to figure all this out. As as one athletic director told me, he said you make uh, twenty contingency plans and hope that you don't have to use any of them. <laughs> so crazy. Wow. And then what about non-conference games that are still on the cal- on the schedule? I mean, there's a lot of money involved, right? in paying some of those teams to come play at your place or a neutral site. Give you an example. Uh, non-conference games. Uh, these non-conference games that that's the big schools bring in. Uh, University of uh, Louisiana Monroe, ULM, is going to play at Georgia later on this year. Uh, they are going, they're, they're, Louisiana Monroe is playing at Georgia and at Arkansas this year. They play these games for one reason only, is generate money. ULM, ULM will get a check. If, if they play Georgia as scheduled, Louisiana Monroe will get a check for $1.8 million. Uh, but if the game is not played, I don't think they get anything. And so th- these games are incredibly important. And those schools, do they get left out of the season if, you know, the let's just say the ACC says, you know, we're only going to play intra-conference games. Do those other schools that aren't part of a major conference, they, do they just get left out for this year? Or, or, I don't know. Well, they, they have to look within their conference and maybe sure. find a non-conference game I see. or two among – well, okay. Here, here's here's an example. There, in college football, we, Division One is div- uh, divided into two parts. One is the Power Five conferences, the ones that we're all familiar with: ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac Twelve. Okay. The other five Division One conferences are what we call the Group of Five, and that includes you know the Sun Belt, Conference USA, the MAC, Mountain West, the 
Amer- uh, American Athletic Conference. Right now, uh, the group of five has lost something like uh, 30-something games by the fact that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 uh, have already gone to do that. I, I think they've lost the Mountain West Conference, for example, has already lost 10 Pac-12 opponent games because of what the because of their Pac-12 decisions. is going to sure. do. Yeah. So, yeah, those, those schools, A, they don't, get the, they don't get the income, they don't get to play the game, and they've got to reschedule and find somebody else to play it. So it, it, they are hurt particularly hard by this downturn. Sure. Now, what about the whole idea of, hey, we'll play it in spring. Let's just play the season in spring. I've heard, I've seen more negative on that than positive. What's the the thinking around that idea? I don't think there's any appetite to play the season in the spring now. Other smaller conferences realize that is uh, that is their only option. That's really their only. And option. so they've gotten yeah. full square behind it, like the the Southwestern Athletic Conference, uh, the Mid Eastern Athletic Conference. They they just understand that is that is their best option play. But when you talk to uh, FBS schools, the Division One schools, uh, I don't get—I don't hear—I don't get any appetite for uh, doing that because there's so many issues involved. Uh, you know, uh, two big ones have popped up. One is, well, you can play a spring college football <laughs> schedule, but you're going to play it. You're going to play it without the Trevor Lawrence right. of the world. Okay? It's going to be the Trevor, schools that are playing Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. The great, the great, the, the elite players who are going to go to the NFL draft are not going to play. No. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, if you played a spring schedule and played, a, let's just say you played a minimum, you played a maximum of ten games in the spring, then you're going to turn right around. And, then and start the getting ready game. for a season That's right. to play. So you're going to ask guys to play 22 or 23 games yep. in in a five or six month period of time. That's a lot. Yeah, you know that's a lot. So there, there's some real world reasons why there's there's not a big now. If nothing happens, Justin, if 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 there is no season at all, and playing in the spring is the only option you have. Then, then I could see where it be, it would be possible. Sure, it would but, just be uh, tough, tough turnaround, especially with it would be a very tough draft timing and whatnot. That's um, right. Okay, so next question, I'm sure people might be asking if if we were live right now is, well, what about a national title? I mean, how can you have how, how can you do a national championship when some teams aren't playing, some teams are mm-hmm. schedules all up, you know, fruit basket upset. Can you even have one this year, or is it just let's just try to have any season we can and start up again next year? But there's big money in uh, that too, right? I mean, well, there's big money in that, and, and the playoff is very right. important. The college football so, playoff, yeah. right? I mean, again, again, everybody's going to have to understand <laughs> that they're going to have to be flexible. They're going to be they're going to be parts of this that on the surface don't seem fair, uh, but you know what? You're going to have to go ahead and do it, and then. My conversations with the college football playoff folks, they said we are, you know, this is this is a big year for them. This this is the year where they get the national semifinals in the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl oh, wow. on New Year's Day. Wow. Okay, yeah, so that's perfect you know, timing. That is perfect timing. Big time TV, so, big audiences. It, yep. Yeah, and 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 assuming that we have a season that we're playing late into November and December, I don't think it really changes. Um, 
the uh, the playoffs sure. and where the structure is. The, hey, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans are set aside for January first, right. and that's that's when they that's when they plan to play the games. And so I, I I think the scheduling the scheduling of the football playoff remains the same, and everybody else is going to have to work around it. Sure. Um, do you think we lose any college football programs through this? At this point, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I, I think you know uh, that even even if the worst happens, sure. I think the I think the programs will be able to sort of limp along. Right, and most schools uh, have with, other financing methods that they had to dip into. For right, example, their foundations and or whatever. Yeah, they have found that the schools have foundations. Exactly. You can borrow money. They sure, can, because it's a lo- it's a long term investment. These programs have been in place okay. in many cases for well over a hundred years. Yep. Uh, and, and their alumni are going to not just sit by and watch it happen. Uh, so I, I think I think there are a lot of a- options before you should completely shut down sure. uh, an athletic department. Oh, amazing to think about. Um, this has been fascinating. Um, Tony, where can our listeners find you, connect with you, um, read your material, et cetera? Well, first of all, I write for a website, three, me and three of my uh, old newspaper buddies put together. It's... Uh, it's, it's under the SI.com umbrella. It's SI.com slash TMG, which stands for the media guides. And, uh, <laughs> I like it. Uh, and we, and we, each of us writes about twice a week, but it's SI, SI.com slash TMG is, is where I write. Uh, obviously I'm on Twitter, uh, uh at Mr. CFD. Yep. Uh, Mr. College football. Uh, Yep, uh, <laughs> still continue to do stuff for the uh, SEC network, and uh, and just overall, just trying to stay out of trouble. <laughs> well, and I'm guessing you know the noise level around this is it's really going to pick up for you in the next couple of weeks, right? I mean the the questions, the discussions, the what ifs, the who's in sure. and out. Like I mean that's just it's gonna, and I think people need that and want that, right? Right. No, that's exactly right. People want people want some sort of clarity. And uh, I think we're going to start to get that. It, the clarity may be adjusting when they finally announce it. The clarity may be we're not going to start on time, but we are going to. We hope to start. We hope the trends can will start getting better, so we can start in late September, early October. I, think, I, I don't think they'll make an announcement uh, on the thirty first that we're not going to play this year. They won't do that. They'll either say we're going to start on time, or we're going to wait. Uh, and put it on hold and find a better time to start. I think those really those are the two options that are really on the table right now. Sure. Well, temperatures will be a little better if we start a little later. <laughs> right. Well, hey, listen, it has been so great having you on the podcast. I, I I mean, it's just unbelievable to really think about this. You step back and think of, I mean, these are systems that have been in place for and evolved for so long. And, and this is just, you know, a small thing in life, but it's, I think so many people are wanting, hoping, needing, you know, this, like some positivity and like hope I'll call it in something. And so, you know, it, I'm, it's going to be fascinating to see where this plays out. No, no doubt. No doubt. It, it, it is unlike anything uh, we have ever been through. And we will look back on it as as a historic time. Uh, but let's just uh, keep our fingers crossed and hope that we get a football season in, even even in a truncated football season where <laughs> things are not as they normally are. That would be better 
uh, to me than not having it all if we can do it safely. If if we can do if it, we safely. can do it safely. I have to. I, I was going to end it right there, but I have to just throw out one more question. Any two or three programs? Let's say we do play that you think, hey, you got to keep an eye on this fall. Oh, it's going to be the usual suspects. I think. I think Alabama. <laughs> Alabama I think Clemson. I think Alabama will bounce back very nicely from that terrible eleven and two season they had last year. Uh, yeah, if you talk to the Alabama people, it was absolutely the worst season ever because they, they they only won eleven games. Uh, I think I, I think they'll be back. I think I think they'll play Georgia for the SEC championship in Atlanta. Although my Florida Gator friends, uh, they think they're coming uh, on strong. They they are convinced that this is their year, and they're going to catch Georgia, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and it could it could be, but I think Georgia's I think Georgia's got some issues to work out uh, at the quarterback position, but they've got talented players and a really really good defense, and so we'll we'll see. But I think it'll be Georgia and Alabama or, or Alabama and Florida for the SEC championship. Ohio State will win the Big Ten. Clemson will easily win the ACC. Uh, Oklahoma again will win the uh, the Big Twelve, and uh, I'm guessing I'm looking at Oregon in the Pac-12. But it'll be it'll be the uh, it'll be the usual subject. Only question is going to be does does the, does it, can the SEC get two teams in the playoff this year? Wow. That would be another interesting outcome. Well, um, Tony, hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, we love having you on every year and look forward to seeing you at our Bobby Dodd uh, meeting in a couple weeks. But, um, man, looking forward to this fall. All right, Justin. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.